Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Ocean Hills Church family. We say it every week, but it is still true. We miss you so much. We miss worshiping together and being together. But we want you to still stay connected with us. So if you're watching us on one of our online live platforms, would you please just give a little shout out? Don't be shy. Put your name in. Let us know that you're here. Our staff are all hosting those uh, services, and we would love to chat with you. We would love to pray for you, pray with you. Those live chat rooms are awesome, so don't hesitate to use that. And if you want to get connected, there should be a little box that says connect, and that'll get you connected in with everything that's going on in the life of this church. You don't want to be missing those daily Ocean Hills emails that just lets you know everything that's happening. We want to stay connected to each other during this crazy time. But now I want to just lead us into a time of worship. Let's shift our minds and hearts wherever we're coming in from today. This is a good time to raise our voices to the Lord and remember who he is. In Psalm 107, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. And that's what this song is about. If you've been redeemed by the Lord, if he has met you and saved you and changed your life, this is the moment that we say, yes, Lord, you are good. You are worthy of praise. You are the one that has done the work in my life. So all of those that are redeemed, let's lift our voices and sing this out.
Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. This is how we speak out and remember that God is good. Let's sing it out. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Yes Lord we remember your goodness this morning we remember your faithful love that endures forever. We remember and declare all the many things that we have to be so grateful for, and those are all attributed back to you, Lord. So God, would you prompt us, those of us that you, have, that you love and that you know, that you've redeemed, that we would speak out, that we would declare what you have done in our lives, Lord, that we would claim your promises and your goodness every day, every minute. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Good morning, Ocean Hills. It's John Ireland here. I'm just so privileged to get to bring you the word. Before we jump into the message, I am aware that we have people now watching online from all over the world, all over the U.S. Uh, I got friends, Gary and Bertie up in Bend who are tuned in. Jules and Arlene, a special shout out to you guys in Riverside, Carrie in Chicago, John in Dallas. I mean, they're all over the place tuning in. I just want to give you a warm welcome. And uh, not just you that are all over, but also those of you that are part of our Ocean Hills family right here in Santa Barbara, Goleta, Carpinteria, the Central Coast. Hey, let's jump in. I want to begin with a quote this morning that just pierced my heart when I read it again. I read it a while back, but I read it again, and I just, wow, let me read it. It's from Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil in this world is for good people to do nothing. Now, you just heard the scripture read this morning, John chapter 2. It's the story of 
of Jesus and he goes into the temple and he cleanses it, he clears it. And uh, I want you to, to, to go back, open your Bible to those verses in John chapter 2, verses six, uh, 13 through 16, 17. And I want you to notice, remember what we say when we study scripture, notice what you notice. Here's what I noticed this week. The words, the language in this passage, they're very, very strong. Once Jesus saw what was going on in the temple, listen to what it says. It says, he drove out. He chased them out. He told them, get these things out of here. Strong, strong language. Something is, is clearly wrong. Something is not right. Something is unacceptable. And Jesus is feeling this this passion, this anger, this righteous anger well up in his heart when he sees something. And he says, this is not okay what's going on right now. And so this morning what I want to do is, is I want to ask us this question. What was it that made Jesus so angry? Hey, meek and mild Jesus, he's not in this passage. This is, I'm ticked off. What I see, what I'm noticing happening is not okay. And I not only see it, I'm going to do something about it. What was it that made Jesus so angry? Well, when you look at the text, I just have two little reflections here. What was it? One, there were these vendors, these shysters, as you, if you will. They were taking advantage of those who had come to Jerusalem and come to the temple for Passover. And two things were essential for, for, for these folks to come for Passover, they, many traveled a long way so they wouldn't bring their animals. So they had to purchase or buy an animal sacrifice. And two, they had to take their money and, and change it or exchange it to the temple uh, coins. And so here's what was going on. Uh, there were scammers. There were these money changers. There were these vendors. And what they were doing is they were taking advantage of people. They were using the temple, using religion to take advantage and to make money off of people. They would charge outrageous, exorbitant prices to exchange their money and to purchase the sacrificial animals that they needed for this time going to Passover in the temple. And Jesus saw this. And he went, no, this bothers me. This is not right. This, what I'm seeing, is not okay. So that's the first reflection of why he was so angry. He saw people that were being taken advantage of by others. Second thing is, is where it was happening, in the temple. Jesus was so passionate to see God the Father honored and to see the temple, the house of God, honored and glorified. It was a house of prayer, and they had turned it into a den of robbers, Jesus says, and this ticked him off. In fact, he quotes Psalm 69.9. This was a fulfillment of prophecy from Psalm 69.9, and the disciples in verse 17, if you look, afterwards they remembered, oh yeah, this is what it said, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who came to save, to rescue. And right here in the temple, what was happening is the Father's house was being desecrated. 
The court of the Gentiles is the outer part of the temple. And this is the only place the Gentiles were allowed to be, uh, to enter and to worship. And what happened was, just imagine if you will, it became a marketplace, like a flea market. Animals everywhere, tents, money changers, chaotic feeling. Now just imagine trying to pray in that setting. Impossible, so chaotic, so crazy. And Jesus sees this. He sees people being taken advantage of. That's unjust. He sees his father's house being turned into a crazy marketplace. People that want to experience God can't. And he's going, there's a problem here. This is not okay. This is not right. And so in his righteous anger, he turns over tables. He, he, he gets people's attention. Here's what I want us to to really focus in on this morning. Biblical justice is something that we not only feel, it's something we do. When we follow Jesus, we follow him into confronting that which is not right in this world. We, we follow Jesus into confronting evil and, and we follow Jesus into caring for those that are marginalized, that are vulnerable, the poor, the, the, the oppressed, those that have been disenfranchised, those that have been taken advantage of, those that, that, that are vulnerable. You know, justice, it flows out of the heart of God. It's, it flows out of the character of God. The Hebrew word, it's translated mishpat. That's the word for justice. And this is what it means according to Tim Keller. It's giving people what they are due. It's giving people what they are due. Punishment protection or care. Punishment, protection, or care. And when the people of God partner with the living God, we not only advocate for those that are marginalized, that are oppressed, that are being taken advantage of, but we do something about it. I want to just take a moment to just help you see and understand that threaded throughout the whole Bible, it's not just one verse, threaded throughout the whole Bible is this issue of biblical justice. Beginning with the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He, speaking of God, He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Now listen to this. Everything He does is just and fair. He is faithful. He's a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. And then in the wisdom literature, we read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 8 and 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And then in the Minor Prophets, Micah 6.8, He has told you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And then you jump into the New Testament in the Gospels, Jesus to the Pharisees, those religious leaders. And in Luke 11.48, or Luke 11.42, he says this, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for... You're so careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. 
You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You should tithe. You should give a 10% of your income to the work of God, but don't neglect the more important things, which are to do justice. And then finally, in the book of James, later in the New Testament, verse uh, 27 of chapter 1, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So there's a biblical argument threaded through the whole Bible that we, as the people of God, we do justice. We we stand up for what is right in this world and we stand against for what is wrong. So I want you to stop right now and I want you to think about the world around you. What is the one aspect of this broken world that when you see it, when you get near it, when you touch it, you feel deep in your spirit, you're bothered, you're wrecked, you're crushed by, you're like, that is not okay. That is not right. What is that situation in our world that breaks you, that bothers you, that you're saying no? And in our community, in our church family, we have people involved in a lot of different biblical justice issues. And I'm not telling you which one to be involved in, but I know we can't be involved in all of them. But for some of you, it might be global poverty. It might be clean water. For others, it might be pro-life, that all life is sacred and deserves to be protected. The unborn and those born into poverty or born into uh, situations where now they're in orphanages and need adoption. Uh, it could be human trafficking. It could be care for creation. It could be domestic violence. Some of you are committed to the foster kids and kids that age out of the foster program. All of these become justice issues. We care for the vulnerable. We stand up against evil in this world. God is looking for someone like you and me to partner with him to use our voice, to use our money, to use our influence to do justice. So let's stop and let's take that moment. I want you to think about what's the issue for you? And I want to invite you into a prayer. This is a, a well-known prayer, but I want you to pray it. Let the words of this prayer be the prayer of your heart. Pray with me right now. It's a one-sentence prayer. Pray with me. God, break my heart. Break my heart over the injustices that break your heart. Let's turn it over to Brian and Casey and worship together. Heal my heart and make it
consider your place, your issue around this justice conversation and where can you jump in and do justice? Where can you confront evil, care for the vulnerable, the marginalized, the poor? Uh, I want to share with you two stories of how this has touched and impacted my life. Uh, let's start eight years ago. Uh, I went to the DR Congo with my wife Natalie and we were there for a few weeks and I taught at a pastor's conference, and then I taught uh, a class at their seminary on uh, 2 Timothy. But when we were there, we were exposed to the vulnerable children. We were able to see the community, the needs, the heartbreak, the hurt. We were able to hear stories firsthand about the injustices, about women being raped on their way to get clean water or on their way to the market. And when you start to hear stories about children that do not have access to clean water and that this country eight years ago, the DR Congo, rated like number one in the world as the most dangerous place for a child to live and the number one place in the world to be a mother, that hit us and that hit me. And we came home and I sat on that for a while, for several months. What am I going to do about it? And then I was invited to a Team World Vision luncheon down in LA by a guy named Johnny Huddle. And uh, I went. And all the way down when I drove, I kept saying, don't say yes, don't say yes, don't say yes. I knew they were going to pitch me to do something. Well, sure enough, 
I hear about we can run the LA Marathon and we can do it for clean water in Africa. And at the end of the presentation, the Spirit of God wrecked me, broke me. I was at that place where I went, yeah, what's happening over there is wrong. It's not okay. And I can use my leadership. I can leverage my influence to do something about it. What's holding me back from saying a big fat yes, I will get involved. And so we did. And, and, and now it's been seven years that Ocean Hills, we've been running the LA Marathon and, and, and raising money for clean water and sanitation and education and justice that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven over in the DR Congo. And, and in the last seven years, we have raised over $1 million through Team World Vision. Those of you that have run, that have cycled, that have given, thank you, thank you, thank you. I got a, a note uh, this last week from Steve Spear, who works with Team World Vision, and he spoke at our church a couple years ago. Just saying thank you, Ocean Hills. Over 20,000 children and families are impacted because of our giving and generosity. And you know what? I look back and it's not about John Ireland, but God used my yes. God used my, I'm willing to say yes to help be a catalyst, to help others get involved, to stand up for what this world could and should be for children in the DR Congo. And so my question for you is on a global level, out there, around the world, where are you involved? Where are you saying, yes, I wanna give my money. Yes, I wanna give my voice. Yes, I'll serve on that board. Yes, I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes to help right a situation that's wrong. Second story, have you noticed where we're filming today? We're at Franklin Elementary School here in Santa Barbara. And uh, it was just seven years ago that I was part of a small group that Jeff Schaefer led and uh, Aaron Beck was part of that and several others. And we were, we were pressing deeper into what is biblical justice and what is shalom in the city. And, uh, and it was through that that we started to pray, God, show us where you want us to make a difference. Not just around the world, how about across the street? How about in our backyard, in our own community? And what we discovered here at Franklin Elementary School seven years ago was that these second language learners, these children that are getting an education here, and by the way, my wife teaches here, so that helped us get an inroad, but children at this school, that if you don't learn to read by the fourth grade, there's an 80% chance that you'll be incarcerated. What? Yeah, that's wrong. That's not okay. And we can do something about it. Second thing that hit me, uh, fact, is the principal of this school shared with my wife and I think her team, the average education of a parent that sends their kid to this school, first grade, five months. What? First grade, five months. What does that tell you and tell me? Those children, these children, they're not getting any help when they go home in terms of learning how to read. When we heard that, we said, one, that's not okay. This is a situation that's wrong that, that we can participate and help make right. And so we jumped into a, a tutoring, a reading, a mentoring program here on different levels and layers. 
And I think this last year we had about 30 of you at Ocean Hills and our family that volunteer that come here one hour a week and you go into different classrooms and you read to children. And I want you to know in the seven years since we've been doing that, Franklin has gone from a school that was struggling really to now, if you look on their sign, this year, 2020, they were just voted as a distinguished school in California. What an incredible achievement. Now, I'm not taking credit for that, and I'm not trying to say Ocean Hills can take credit for that, but we're partnering with God and with this school to stand up for what's right and to try and make a difference in the lives of children that uh, are in situations where the world is against them. They're swimming upstream. And so I want to stop and just have you. Those are the two stories that have shaped my life in terms of biblical justice, both locally and globally, that continue to shape me, that I continue to pour my heart and energy into. What about you? What about you? Today, I want you to make a decision. Where am I going to get involved? Where am I going to use my money, my influence, my voice? the power, the position that God's given me to make a difference in situations in this world that are unjust, that are unfair, that are not right, that bother you, that when you think about it, when you get near it, you go, that's not okay. Right here, right now, right in your living room, in your kitchen, maybe you're on your Peloton bike watching. I don't know what you're doing, but I want you to make a decision right now. Are you with me? Right now, make a decision. Where am I going to let God's mission in this world wreck my heart so that I get involved? God wants to partner with us. He needs us to help bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. So let's pray. And I invite you into this moment to just be open. Even pray, God, I'm open. Show me. Show me where you want me to get involved. And so, Lord, I pray for each person tuning in today, wherever they are, in this world, in this country, in this town. God, I pray that those situations, those issues that break your heart, Lord, that not only would they break our heart, but that you would stir and move and nudge us to make a decision and to not just feel something, but to do something. What is required of us, Micah says? We are to do justice. And so, Lord, I pray that we would leave this message and become men and women of God that do something to bring healing and hope in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great reminder today that our God is for justice. He is for the hurting. He's for the oppressed. He's for the helpless. He's for the marginalized. He's for everyone. His heart is for everyone. Do you want to know this God more? We want to encourage you to, to get to know him more. Today, this week, our God is for you. And he wants, he wants you to know him more. That's, that is what he wants more than anything. And the cross of Jesus is the ultimate expression of justice and love mingled together. That God is for you. And we truly believe that if you knew him, you would love him. And so we want to encourage you today, would you take that next step and, and say yes to, to wanting to, to getting to know Jesus, to getting to know this God more. You can just uh, let someone know right now, there's a little box down there you can, you can press to take your next step. Let someone know you want to 
you want prayer or you want to get connected or you want to know this God more, we would love to, to connect with you in that way. So thank you for being a part of this. A couple things before we close that I want to share with you. The first is, did you catch that our church, our community has raised over a million dollars for clean water? Can you just get up off your couch, get up off your chair, whatever you're doing, and, and just uh, give a little shout out to God and say thank you that we were able to partner with him in this way and, and help 20,000 kids and families get clean water. That is so awesome. We celebrate that. Second, God cares for people across the world, but also across the street. And so we have a Galatians 6-9 fund that's helping people right now with rent and with groceries, and we're able to start dispersing that. And a a lot of you have, have donated to that fund, so thank you for that. If you know someone in need, know someone in need right now, would you send them to our website so they can apply for that? And if you want to donate to that fund, you're welcome to, to contribute to that too as well. And if you were encouraged by this broadcast, we would uh, love your support for this ministry. And so you can give by just simply going on our, our give site or texting Ocean Hills to 77977. And thank you so much for all our regular givers for, for keeping us going and uh, for the impact you're making. And then lastly, we, we truly believe that social distancing does not mean social disconnection. And so if you want to get connected, this is, there is no better time. We have people every week jumping into new groups. We're starting up new groups this next week. These next six weeks as we think about this series and, and look into the life of Jesus, we would love to have you jump in a group online and, uh, and discuss with people and get to know people and connect in a deeper way. So that's my encouragement to you. Get connected, and uh, we hope that uh, you'll take that next step. Have a great week. Thanks so much for being a part of this. We love you, and we miss you more than anything, and give you a big hug, and uh, talk to you soon. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. He's better than he Ocean Hills Church family. Uh, We say it every week, but it's still true. We we miss you guys so much, don't we? What? I don't want you to just be like the lackey. I know, but you're just like... Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.